Hello everyone, I am Mariah Muhammad, she, her pronouns with Becker's Hospital Review. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. Today, I am absolutely pleased to be joined by John Tam, Chief Strategy Officer with Evelyn, to discuss the make or break moment for payers in specialty care. John, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, with that, let's dive right into our discussion today. So uh, let's get right into it, John. For starters, what's creating this moment in urgency around specialty care right now? And also, what are the market dynamics bringing this to the forefront for payers? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think what's making this the moment around specialty care is that uh, it continues to be problematic for, for payers in healthcare. Uh, specialty care makes up the majority of healthcare spend, and uh, most what, of the, what's considered low-value care, unfortunately, comes from specialty physicians. Um, I think we've all experienced, you know, difficulties navigating the system in specialty care as well. It tends to be very fragmented, um, and uh, as we think about uh, healthcare inflation going forward, it's specialty care inflation that is really driving this trend. Um, so those are the, some of the things that make this an imperative for, for health plans. Um, I think the other thing that is bringing this to the fore for payers is they have made massive investments in primary care, which are really important, very necessary. Uh, but I think we're finding that primary care is just ill-equipped to manage specialty care. Primary care has made a lot of progress. There's a lot of value-based activity in primary care. ED visits are down, inpatient days per thousand are down. We should celebrate that. Uh, but ultimately, there's a limit to what PCPs know how to manage. They don't really know how to manage complicated patients like cancer, musculoskeletal, other specialties like NSAGE renal. Go down the list. And uh, that's why I think we're seeing some diminishing returns when it comes to um, the investments we're making in primary care. Um, certainly, there's a lot of running room. And it's not fully uptaken, but when we look at where we're going, value-based care is growing in primary care, but specialty care is further behind. It's not as far um, along in its maturity curve as primary care. There's less value-based payments in specialty care. There are less value-based oriented specialists. So it made perfect sense to start with primary care. But for all the reasons we just talked about, it's pretty clear that specialty care for value is going to be the next horizon. And we are seeing in the market a whole new generation of value-based specialty healthcare companies begin to emerge. And within the broad umbrella of specialty, where are you seeing payers really focus and prioritize? And also, how does a focus on specialty impact uh, or complement primary care investments we've seen payers make in recent years? Yeah, well, when parents, I think, look at specialty, they look at, they follow where the costs are, and they look at the, the largest specialty areas of spend, and those are typically oncology, cardiology, uh, MSK, typically one, two, and three, uh, and then beyond that, you know, behavioral health, uh, renal, um, and then you get, it kind of drops off after that. Um, so they're thinking about how they prioritize the specialties with the most costs associated with them. Um, and as I mentioned, the you know, oncology, cardiology, musculoskeletal. Um, and your question around the intersection between specialty and primary care investments is, is a really good one. As I mentioned, pairs have made a lot of investments in primary care. They want to support them. 
Um, so being able to develop a specially value-based strategy that integrates, complements, and supports value-based primary care investments is critical. So we're starting to see a new ecosystem, as I mentioned, of value-based specialty companies, um, companies like Oncology Care Partners, which obviously in the cancer space that is purely value-based cancer care. And uh, when they approach value-based primary care companies like the IORAs, uh, the Oaks, the Chens, the Allidays, as let's go down the list and talk about, hey, when you're seeking to refer out for a complicated case, who do you have to refer to? And the answer is typically, we have to refer to fee-for-service-based specialists. And so uh, creating a new specialty value-based company um, really complements what primary care is trying to do. They want to refer into the value-based ecosystem. Um, and so that's an example of how you can develop uh, a specialty-based company that complements and supports value-based primary care investment. So that, that's really important. I'd say the second component of you know, the intersection, especially primary care, is that um, for the time being, uh, most spe specialty-based care is occurring in fee-for-service environments. Um, that, like I mentioned, the specialty value-based ecosystem is less mature. So it's also important to be able to work with the traditional players, um, independent uh, specialists, uh, health systems, um, and being able to uh, support them in their clinical decision-making and start to bend the cost curve and improve quality while working uh, in fever service as well. Wonderful. Thank you for that insight. So what are the main challenges payers face in managing specialty costs? Yeah, no, that, that comes down to the core of what, what the answer needs to be. Why is it so complicated? Why is it so challenging? And um, I think we're seeing a lot of reasons for this. First of all, uh, specialty care, you know, because it's specialty care, in and of itself is far more clinically complex. Uh, every specialty is unique with regards to uh, clinical innovation and the clinical expertise required to manage that specialty. Uh, just because you're good at uh, kidney care management doesn't mean you're going to be good at oncology management. Those are two very, very different specialties with different innovation curves, um, different clinical protocols, so on and so forth. So to be able to manage specialty, first of all, requires that you are deep in that specialty. Um, and then related to that, you know, as mentioned, there are a whole bunch of specialties. Another challenge is it's very difficult to work with uh, a vendor for every single specialty. Um, then, you know, I've got one ma vendor managing oncology, another vendor managing cardiology, another vendor managing musculoskeletal, uh, and you end up with the even more fragmented system with more administrative complexity, more administrative costs. So, so that's the first component. It's a complicated universe that requires depth in each specialty. The second thing I'd say is the traditional tool that health plans have to manage specialty is utilization management. Um, they look to see whether or not the case is appropriate. And if it's not, they seek to deny it. Um, and I think we're all seeing that that traditional process has created a lot of friction for providers and for patients. And the UM of the past is not going to be the UM of the future. So that's another challenge is the traditional tool as uh, you know, creating a lot of friction and has also reached diminishing returns. 
Um, I think third challenge is around uh, provider misalignment. Uh, as, as I mentioned, most specialists today still operate under fee for service. Uh, so they are seeking um, to follow their economic incentives, um, which are not always aligned with value-based care. Uh, just as an example, in oncology, uh, seen a statistic where 30% of an oncology practice's revenue is tied to the margin they make on, on drugs, which creates, you know, rightly or wrongly, an incentive to use higher cost drugs. Um, and then finally, you know, we talked about clinical complexity, administrative complexity, provider economic incentives. Um, let's not forget about the patient and their voice and what they want and how they're represented. They tend to get shuffled around from specialists to specialists. There's not true patient-centered care when it comes to specialty care. Uh, and on top of that, um, there's not enough shared decision-making. So um, that's another one of the challenges in managing specialty care. So a lot of challenges out there, which make it very, very difficult for folks to get uh, a handle on this. Yeah, thank you so much for giving us those challenges. But what is the human toll? It's a bit of that, that kind of fourth thing I mentioned, that the patient's voice tends to be lost in all of this. The human toll is the confusion, the anxiety, um, the mental health toll, uh, not to mention the financial toll. Mental toll uh, debt is, the, is one of the leading causes of personal bankruptcy. And um, it's specialty care that is driving those costs. No one goes bankrupt from their primary care bill. They go bankrupt because of their specialty care bills, whether it's chemotherapeutics or end-of-life care. There's a, a tragedy going on with regards to the human toll, not just financially, but also emotionally, as well as the caregivers that, um, that surround the patient. So the family members are also a part of this. So I think we all need to remember why we're in this business in healthcare, it's to take care of people. Absolutely, I completely agree. Thank you for saying that because obviously that's so essential to this whole conversation. Uh, and before I let you go, I wanna make sure our listeners are leaving this podcast you know, with some, with an action plan of some sort. So the last question I wanted to ask you, John, is given all of these dynamics and the critical need to rein in cost, what can payers do? Yeah, no, this this comes down to um, the most important question. Like what, we talked about all the problems. We talked about why it's hard. We talked about the human toll. What are we going to do about it? Uh, I think the first thing is that we have to decide that we want to take action here, that the status quo is is not um, is not the right answer. That there needs to be a better way. Uh, recently, we're seeing people come to this realization, uh, but you know, I think we've all seen in healthcare that the number one competitor isn't the other vendor; it is uh, the status quo. And so that's the first thing. And then secondly, I think the answer here is to start to bring it together. Um, you don't want to have more fragmentation. Uh, bring in more players to confuse providers and make life more complicated for patients. So bringing specialty care together under a more holistic umbrella to find a company uh, such as Evelynt who has deep clinical expertise across multiple specialties so that there's a single point of contact for patients and providers to navigate the system. Um, and that's the, you know, point one is someone who's more holistic. And points two and three are people, you know, finding ways to engage providers 
and also engage patients. So with provider engagement, it's, it's recognizing that they're an important constituent here, listening to them and addressing their needs. Uh, so they want less administrative friction. Uh, they want more intelligent clinical decision support that is integrated into their workflow. Uh, and they want to be compensated fairly. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to say value-based care is the way of the future, how can you design something so that they can do as well, if not better financially, compared to what you're asking them to give up, which is deeper service? And then finally, um, integrating in the voice of the patient and developing uh, member-facing capabilities, uh, such as navigation, um, shared decision-making, uh, advanced care planning, um, things that, that uh, help members through the journey because it is so complicated and so fragmented. Uh, so pulling all that together is where we're headed and in talking with a lot of other uh, folks out there in the industry, these are the themes that we're seeing, uh, bringing this all together engaging providers, you know, working with members, and also reducing friction throughout the process. Absolutely. Thank you so much for those final thoughts, John. And thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Really enjoy it. Wonderful. It has obviously been a pleasure speaking with you. And I'd also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Evelint. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckerspodcast.com.